the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, August the 2nd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1776, members of the Second Continental Congress began actually attaching their signatures to the Declaration of Independence. They had committed to it, of course, previously, but they started actually putting their signature, their hand, on the document. Today in 1873, inventor Andrew Holliday, he successfully tested a cable car. He designed it for the city of San Francisco. Today in 1876, frontiersman Wild Bill Hickok, he was shot and killed. He was playing poker at a saloon in Deadwood, Dakota Territory. Jack McCall shot him. Jack McCall was later hanged. Today in 1922... Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone, he died in Nova Scotia, Canada. He was 75 years old. Today, in 1934, German President Paul von Hindenburg, he died. That paved the way for Adolf Hitler to completely take over the country. Today, in 1939, Albert Einstein signed a letter to President Franklin D. Roosevelt urging creation of an atomic weapons research program. Albert Einstein. Today in 1990, Iraq invaded Kuwait, seized control of the oil-rich Emirate. The Iraqis were later driven out in Operation Desert Storm. Five years ago today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed about above 22,000 for the first time ever due to President Trump's economic policies and the optimism in the country at the time. One year ago today, San Francisco's cable cars, yes, those same cable cars that Mr. Holliday created, they were chiming their bells and rolling again on the city's hills. They'd been sidelined for 16 months because of the pandemic. Today is primary election in Washington State. All of you who are listening to Washington State, you should, if you have not voted, I suspect many of you have. Christians are pretty vigilant about that, although a lot of Christians, I understand, are not all over, not just Washington State, but are not even registered to vote. About half of them show up in polls as not registered to vote. That's sad, but if you're not and haven't voted yet, be sure to do it. You can still do it today. We'll be talking about the result of elections in Washington State and elsewhere as we move from now on into the midterm election that will be coming up in November. It is key. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about some of the issues that we're facing in a couple of minutes. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the big Democrat from California, speaking of San Francisco, she landed in Taipei, Taiwan today, just like she said she was going to. A Russian spokesman or a Chinese spokesman said that they might shoot down her plane. But she's a hero. She's a she's a hero. She's like like Spider-Man or somebody, she's everywhere. She's in Taipei, Taiwan. 
the Biden administration had tried to discourage her from going, and China had warned that who knows what could happen to her if she goes. She went anyway. I wonder what she's do- Why is she doing this? It isn't her patriotism, I don't think, because I don't see that so much. I see her and her husband buying stock in advance of decisions that Congress makes and one thing or another and selling in it in the same regard. But this trip marks the first time in 25 years that a U.S. official at her level, Speaker of the House, she's in line to the presidency, as you know. I know that's a frightening statement, but it is true. Should the president and the vice president be unable to serve and function, Nancy Pelosi would be the president of the United States today. But the previous visit of a secretary of state was House Speaker Newt Gingrich 25 um, 25 years ago, 1997. Pelosi is there today. She arrived Tuesday evening, which is local time there. And she made this statement. I'm sure the news will be full of whatever it is that she's saying. But she said, our congressional delegation's visit to Taiwan honors America's unwavering commitment to supporting Taiwan's vibrant democracy. Our discussions with Taiwan leadership will focus on reaffirming our support for our partner and on promoting our shared um, interests, including advancing a free and open Indo-Pacific region. America's solidarity with the 23 million people of Taiwan, she says, is more important today than ever as the world faces a choice between autocracy and democracy. She sounds like she's running for president. Surely that can't be true. Maybe she knows something we don't know. I don't know. Maybe President Biden and Vice President Harris are going to just resign and retire. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Anyway, Nancy Pelosi, representing the United States in Taiwan today. I hear a lot of people saying recently, maybe it just... I don't know, maybe it's just my circumstances where I've been, but I've heard people, Christian people, deeply committed people, talking about it, and I've heard this as a pastor over the years, people talking about the fact that they, they've committed their lives to Christ, and none of us are, are perfect, and we make mistakes, and we sin. We just simply sin. Christ died on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future, once for all. But I hear people saying, I, I just, I, I, I'm praying, I'm asking God, you know, for certain things in my life and maybe family or whatever, business. But I just feel condemned. I, I'm so unworthy because I've, I sin. I, I try to serve God and I, I fail and so on. You know, the Bible speaks to that so just abundantly. I was thinking about that. I, I heard someone say that just recently, just a day or so ago, and talking about how the fact that I, I, I'm praying and I'm asking God to answer my prayers, but I, I, I just don't know that I'm worthy And this kind of talk. Well, we're not worthy. None of us are worthy. Christ died for us because we were unworthy and unable to save ourselves. But the Bible says when we are in Christ... We are new creatures. John chapter 3, verse 17. Let me just share that with you before we talk about some current events. John chapter 3, 
verse 17 and 18, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's that simple. You're not condemned if you believe in Jesus Christ and have accepted him as your personal Savior, asking him, say, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, as he says he is, and as the Bible says he is, and he was crucified, dead, and he rose from the dead. And we ask him to forgive us of our sins. He paid the price for our sins. We are miserably sinning. We are sinful, except that we are justified in Christ, and justified simply means just as though we had never sinned. Because Christ died and paid the price for our sins, so we no longer <clears throat> excuse me, have to pay the price. So that's the whole, I mean, that's the everyday, every person uh, overview of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. So you don't have to carry that condemnation, but Satan tries to put that on believers because we all know we're imperfect and we sin. But God hears and answers the prayers of the righteous. And you say, well, see, that's the problem. I'm not righteous. Yes, you are. You are righteous in the eyes of God, and God sees you just as though you've never sinned because <clears throat> you are justified. So, therefore, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's how God sees us as a new creature, just as though we've never sinned. And Psalm 103, the psalmist got that part before Christ had died the psalmist wrote as far as the east is from the west so far he removed our transgression from us I mean how far is the east from the west <laughs> you can think about that today that's how far he's removed your transgressions God loves us he cares for us and he sent his son to die for us because we had miserably sinned Mankind fallen into sin. All of us are born in sin. We need a Savior. That is <clears throat> the message that I have tried to give the best I could my entire adult life. We've preached the gospel in the churches that we've served in here and churches that I've helped build and start all over the world, some of the darkest corners of the world. Man, when you begin to preach the gospel, the light comes on. People's faces change. They accept Christ as their personal Savior. Live in a barefoot village, dirt floors on their huts, and no running water except maybe one if they're lucky. Sometimes it's a long ways away. But they're changed. doesn't matter whether you're living in Manhattan in America or on the backside of Africa. It's all the same. I've seen it. I've been with those people. I've seen them transformed by the power of God. All of us. All of us. You talk about equality. Equality is at the foot of the cross where Jesus Christ gave his life for each of us. That's where equality is found. And it is an equity in the sense that it, all who accept Christ are saved. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. 
That's what the world seeks, but they deny God in their in the process of doing so, and they'll never achieve it, ever, ever, without God. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening in our nation, in our world today. The number of married young adults has fallen to a record low amid the growing demographic disaster in Germany. It's a news story that's out of Europe today, and it's in a number of of, uh, American um, news sources. They're talking about this. In fact, the demography people are calling it a disaster in Germany, but they said it's elsewhere in, in Europe. The country's official statistician is saying they're very concerned about it. In a report on the lifestyles of 15 to 24-year-olds in Germany, particularly this um, this report coming out this morning, says the the um, that the number of married people in that age group, 15 to 24, fell to its lowest level since records began after German uh, reunification in 1991. The number of married young adults has fallen to a record low, the report says, amid the growing demographic disaster in Germany in particular, but elsewhere in Europe. In the report on lifestyles, the 15 to 24-year-old, I doubt that many 15-year-olds are getting married, but that's the the, the the group that they're looking at, the lifestyle, 15 to 24-year-olds in Germany. The statistics show that they have fallen to their lowest um, levels, as I said, since 1991. In the UK, there is a uh, one-third of babies born to foreign mothers, and that is also a concern today coming out of Europe as fertility rate falls to the lowest level since before World War II. The fertility rate, they say, for under-30s uh, women fell to the lowest level since 1938 with nearly one-third of babies being born to for- foreign-born uh, mothers. And they're saying that people are less and less getting married. They are simply cohabitating together. Marriage is an important institution. God instituted it. It's fallen on hard times in recent years, no question about that. It's no longer viewed as a necessity in a relationship by too many people. The number of couples that have decided to just live together without the commitment of marriage continues to grow. People, they're becoming almost ambivalent to it. One recent news headline read, Living Together Without Getting Married is the New Norm. The National Center for Health Statistics has reported that for almost half of the women ages 15 to 44, their first union was cohabitation, not marriage. Cohabitation is is defined as the state of living together and having a sexual relationship without being married. Is such a relationship acceptable to God? Well, God's answer is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. God is very clear about it. God wants human beings to marry male and female, have kids, and thus sustain the culture and sustain the human race. It's very simple. It isn't complicated. We've complicated it. God says that marriage is honorable. That is, it's worthy of honor. We've dishonored it by calling all kinds of things marriage that isn't marriage. And we are hell-bent on continuing to do that in the most, the most religious country in the world in our beginnings and our foundings. In America, 
of all places, we seem to be leading this parade to Sodom over trying to redefine marriage. Sometimes I, I mean, I've, I'm over 40, and I, I've been around a little while, and sometimes I take a step back, and, I, and I've been very aware of the news my entire life. I've, that I've always included current events in the sermons I preached as a pastor and so on. And I, I take a step back, and I think, I can't believe these people are saying this and doing this in regards to a number of things, but particularly marriage in the family. For goodness sakes, they don't have a clue. And I'll name names in a moment. But God says it's honorable. Therefore, what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder or separate. God intends that marriage of a man and a woman to last a lifetime. Romans 7, chapter 7, verse 2, and 1 Corinthians 7, I think it's verse 10. How people or governments view marriage does not change God's view of marriage, and the outcome for the human race is going to be whatever it is in relationship to God's view. It doesn't matter what the government says, really, in the long run. I'm not saying, I'm not advocating lawlessness. The Bible is very clear on lawlessness as well, but I'm simply saying that at the end of the day, we can stand up in our pompous ways and our prideful ways with our fist in the face of God and say, this is marriage. Marriage is between these two men because they love each other. And God says, no, it isn't. And it's not going to work out well if you pursue this path. And those are some of the things that we're facing in the culture today. And we're asking, well, why is this? And we're with our little hand under our chin and we're thinking deeply and trying to figure out how to solve these problems and all that. The solution to the problem is to go back to marriage and why it is in existence in the first place and who put it there. It was God and it was for our best interests. But we're not willing to accept that in so many cases. But how people and governments view marriage doesn't change God's view God says marriage is worthy of honor, and he defines marriage as between a man and a woman. Period. So with that in mind, let's talk about some of our public servants today whom we have elected and probably should not have in some cases. Republican senators apparently are lining up to vote for a Democrat-sponsored bill that will repeal the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act and codify same-sex marriage into United States law. Put it out of the reach of the people. Dr. Robert Jeffress, he's the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, he says the measure may well get the Republican votes needed to send it to President Joe Biden's desk. Nobody was thinking that would happen just several weeks ago. But now, informed people say, well, as... Robert Jeffress certainly is. He addresses the issues to his 20,000 members, and he does so without blinking as he preaches the Bible, the gospel. How can Republican public servants who claim to be biblical Christians, so many of them do, simply toss aside God's plan for sustaining the human race by voting to codify so-called same-sex marriage into law? Who are they listening to? Pete Buttigieg? He and his wife or whatever, who is a man? I don't know. I guess guess his partner is his husband. Sorry about that. 
How can Christians embrace and celebrate homosexuality, a behavior that God strongly condemns, and foist that on marriage that God strongly, strongly advocates and, and demands for our procreation? I'll tell you, the Republican Party platform is very clear. If you want to look at it politically, marriage is only between a man and a woman. More importantly, God's word, the Bible, is abundantly clear, as we've just looked, just a quick overview. But it's, I mean, it's it's consistent, it's systematic in the teaching of the Bible, that marriage isn't between a couple of women or a couple of men or animals or buildings. Some woman married a building in Seattle a few years ago. That's not honoring marriage, that's dishonoring, and that's what's wrong in our country today. So I'm asking myself, why did 47... Republican House representatives vote for Nancy Pelosi's Democrats in the, along with them in the House to codify same-sex marriage. And why are Republican senators now considering doing the same thing in the Senate? Why won't Mitch McConnell even weigh in on the issue? He hasn't said a word so far. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, considers himself a Christian, a conservative, he was asked if he was voting for homosexual marriage this week. He nonchalantly said, well, I see no reason to oppose it. No reason to oppose it. These people are people we elected, not the other side. The signal of possible support by Johnson and probably the most vulnerable Republican senator up for re-election in November, from what I read, but it comes after Wisconsin Democrat Senator Tammy Baldwin. She's a lesbian and an advocate, the Senate's first openly gay member. She's tirelessly campaigned to redefine marriage. Now, all of a sudden, she's got Johnson, Ron Johnson, of all people, saying, well, you know, I don't see any reason to oppose it. In other words, man, I'm going to go along with this. I don't want to get not elected. I'll be out of my job. And it's important that we elect Republicans and so on. Well, it is important that we elect, we elect Republicans, but not, not for these reasons. Gallup published a poll in May that showed broad support for same-sex marriage. 71%, they said, of U.S. adults say they think same-sex unions should be recognized by law. 55% of Republicans said that. I'm just saying, this are, these are not my ideas. They're God's commandments. It's God's word. So Senator Ron Johnson is more attuned to the political winds of the moment than to eternal, biblical, historical Republican values. That's what he's saying. He sees no reason to oppose it. If I could get a memo to him, I'd say, Dear Senator Johnson, here's one very good reason to oppose it. Leviticus 18.22 Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. I know that's very crass in today's hypersensitive culture, but those are not my words, they're God's words. I mean, we can't handle the truth any longer. North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer, he's a Republican, he says... He will vote against it, against gay marriage being codified, so-called gay marriage. It isn't marriage. He said he'll vote against it 
and I'm quoting him, unless I can be compelled somehow. He says, I'm an evangelical Christian, and because of my evangelical faith, I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. But this is a quote from your public servant in North Dakota. He's evangelical. He says, I I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. But (laughs) it's not like I feel super strong about it either. His words. He says he thinks the Senate will get the 60 votes needed to pass the bill. He said it's just that people are more ambivalent about it. Really? Jesus wasn't ambivalent about it. Mark chapter 6, verse 6, 7, 8, 9. He said, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female for this cause. Shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh? So they then are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. That's not ambivalence. That's Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, teaching us while he is here in the flesh on earth what God wants in regards to marriage. I am deeply disappointed in Senator Ted Cruz. Let me be very clear. I really like him. And I would vote for him and have, but, boy, he came out with a statement. I think he and his dad need to have a talk. His dad's an evangelist, as you may know, a very straightforward, straight-talking evangelist, to say the least, biblically so. He's very clear about what the Bible says. I've listened to him. I don't know him, but I've watched him on video where he's been preaching and teaching. But Ted Cruz said he's going to vote against the bill, but... He said, I recognize that reasonable people can disagree that marriage should be between a man and a woman. And he said, Ted Cruz, he said, quote, there is room for diversity on that question. Ted, you better talk to your dad. Man, I I love you, brother, but that's not the right answer. If you've forgotten, ask your dad. He'll refresh your memory. Leviticus 20, verse 13 will also help you. If a man lieth with a man, as he lieth with a woman, both of them shall have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's not my words. That's God's words. Evangelical Republican Senator Rob Portman from Ohio, he's pushing for more Republicans to vote with Democrats. He said that... uh, He supported same-sex marriage since 2013 when one of his sons, I misspoke and said one of his daughters the other day, it was one of his sons, announced that he was homosexual and he now believes people should be respected for who they are, Portman. So he is not only voting for this as a Republican evangelical, but he's encouraging other members of the Senate to do the same. Absolutely all people should be respected by God, and they are, so much so that Christ died for their homosexuality and all the other sins that we commit. But it's not to be celebrated, for goodness sakes. Pastor Jeffress says, I think politically the issue is lost, but he said spiritually, we as a church have the responsibility to continue to proclaim God's truth. There are several things that this bill is going to do in the culture, and I don't have time to get into that today, I may mention it, should they pass this, it's going to impact churches and ministries such as this ministry. So we'll see what happens, but we will continue to proclaim 
God's truth as you stand with us financially and prayerfully. We cannot do this. We cannot be on the air every day without your support. Thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.